We're always going to be connected. But, man, it is, it is cool to be here with you guys, man. Kudos to you guys. I think this is awesome to have an auditorium full of youth and young adults. You guys could be doing anything with your summers, but you're here. And that, that says a lot. That says a lot about who you are, who you aspire to be. And so I'm excited for you guys. I'm excited for the word this morning. But before we get started, you know, uh, so like he mentioned, um, played at Ohio State. There's something that we do. Um, the Morgan family knows about this. There, there, there's a call, a call and response that we do. So I'll say OH, and the crowd of people will say IO. And we'll say OH and IO. And so I want to know if there's something that y'all do. So if I went MIZ, oh, that's kind of weak. Oh, we might have some, do we have some KU people in here? Ah, so that's why it's okay. So there's a little rivalry going, okay. All right, a little call and response action. But, um, man, I really am grateful to be here. Um, this, this is a, a awesome opportunity. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do. I'm, I am so glad the fellows brought this down. I was worried. If I was up here, I didn't know if you guys would be able to see the slide. I'm so tall, my head will be blocking everything. So thank you for bringing it down here so they can see it. Uh, so let's pray, and then let's dive right in, man. I know we got a lot of things planned, and um, let's see what God is going to do this morning. God, thank you for this time. I'm, I'm asking that you uh, speak through me. Allow me to speak clearly, slowly. Allow us to understand everything that you have for us this morning, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for me, um, I want to talk to you all from the topic this morning, the, the blessed life is the best life. The, the blessed life is the, is, the blessed, is the best life. It's a tongue twister if you say it fast enough. But for me, I was, I was raised in the church, right? So my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, all preachers. And relax, I already know what you're saying. Oh, you're one of those church kids. Uh, relax, because what comes with that is knowing how to play the church game, right? No, knowing what to do, knowing how to say the right things and how to dress and all that. But your lifestyle being totally opposite of what the Word of God says it should be. And so if, there, if there's one thing that I've learned in this life is that there is a pretty clear connection between blessings and our obedience, there's a connection between blessings and our obedience. But sometimes the blessings that come through our obedience have nothing to do with tangible or material things, have nothing to do with those things. A lot of the times the blessings, they're, they're, they're peace or it may be joy or it may be assurance of salvation or it may be strength or it may simply be a right mind. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. But at the same time, just like our earthly parents reward us for doing the right thing, so does God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a what? Re and that he is a what? Rewarder. Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, so sometimes the blessings come from our obedience, but also, sometimes the blessing is in our obedience, but either way, the two are connected. The two are connected. So the, the blessed life is the best life, or the best life is the blessed life. You choose whichever one you want to roll with, but just know there are not too many people who will say they don't want to live a blessed life. You're not going to find too many people who say that. The, the cool thing 
is that the Bible tells us how to. The, the Bible tells us how to live the blessed life, and that's wild. Because we can live a blessed life even now, but we have to understand what is really meant by the blessed life. And so for the past 14, 15 years of my life, as, as my man mentioned, I've had the opportunity to get paid to play the game of basketball. Incredible blessing. Pe people have literally paid me because of the way God blessed and created me. I've, I've, I've played in the NBA. I, I've played in several different countries, Poland, Hungary, Germany. Uh, I, I, I've seen incredible things that this world has to offer. And a lot of people here this morning may think that that's what the blessed life is. You may think that's what the blessed life is, but it's not. I'm here to tell you it's not. While I am grateful for everything that God has allowed me to do through the game of basketball, I also know that with that comes some dangerous territory we can fall into if we're not careful. I've, I've, I've been around millionaires who, who the world would say, man, those guys are blessed. Those guys are blessed. But see, I've been in the rooms with them. I have close friends who are millionaires, and I've seen how miserable they really are. I've seen how the money is absolutely meaningless when tragedy strikes. Those same people whom the world would say, yeah, y'all are blessed. They're the same ones who are miserable to the point that they can't even function day to day without, without smoking, without, without drinking. They can't operate without taking some type of pills to change the way they feel because although they have millions in the bank, something's still off. Something's still missing. They're still searching. That They're searching for some stability in their life. Think about the millionaires that, that some of us have seen in our lifetime who were, were not able to find any type of peace to the point they had to take their own life. Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Robin Williams. Mike Tyson, he did an interview a couple weeks ago and said he had the best three years of his life while he was in prison. Best three years of his life while he was in prison. And the interviewer was like, bro, that's, that's interesting you say that because you got paid over $30 million for one fight. One fight, $30 million. Mike was like, I mean, I had peace in prison. All that money means absolutely nothing if you don't have any peace or stability or balance. Mike's like, you, you don't even want the money. You want to give it to somebody else. He says, you need your sanity to dictate any and every part of your life. So if the blessed life isn't full of fame, money, and fortune, then what is it? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Because even in the midst of this craziness, of all the craziness in this world, if we didn't have $1 in our bank, do you know we can still live a blessed life? Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 3 says, it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So this is a very, very popular passage. We, we've heard it all our lives for those who have been in the church. But when you really break it down and you read what the psalmist is saying, there are some incredible truths in these verses. So let's walk through it together. 
And so we look at that first statement, Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The, the, the Bible tells us that there is clearly a way that we should walk. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 tells us to walk circumspectly or, or carefully. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 tells us to walk in wisdom. Galatians 5.16 tells us to walk in the spirit. But, but here in Psalm 1.1, he tells us to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. In the, in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 15, it says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. And the them he is talking about are sinners. And we know that according to the context that we find in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. So, so this verse is saying, don't walk in the way of sinners. The, the same way David is saying that in Psalm 1-1, that the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So in life, in life, we need to pay attention to who our crew is. Got to pay attention to who your crew is. We, we got to make some strong evaluations of who we allow to speak counsel into our lives. I can remember even in my own life, there have been times I have taken some bad advice from people who never should have had my ear in the first place. And it landed me in some messed up situations. Why was I even walking in their counsel? So just take a second to think about it and ask yourself, who has my ear? Who has my ear? Who can speak counsel into my life? And so your first blank is if we're not paying attention to who we are rolling with, then before long, they will begin to have a major influence in our lives. If we're walking with the wrong crowd, they will begin to speak into our situations or circumstances of life, and their counsel will always be ungodly. It'll always be ungodly. Your next blank, walking in the counsel of the ungodly can never be a good thing, and it isn't a way that we can live the blessed life. I mean, you got to think about it. You've got to think about it. What, what can an ungodly person tell you about how to deal with the situation in your life? What can, they, what can they tell you? They certainly won't give you a biblical perspective. They, they can't. They can't. The, the Bible tells us the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, which means the flip side is also true, where the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. So we got to be very wise and we need to be very picky about who we allow to have a voice in our lives. Who do we allow to have a voice in our lives? Bad counsel can come from places we would never expect. And if we're walking with an ungodly crowd, what is inevitably going to happen is we're going to begin walking according to their counsel. So your next blank is watch the company you keep and pay attention to the road you're traveling down in this life. Watch the company you keep and pay attention to the road you're traveling down in this life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26, it says, ponder the path of thy feet. Think about it. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. In other words, in what direction are your feet pointed in life at this very moment? You see, if you keep walking down the path that you're walking on right now, if you keep going in the direction that you're going right now, where are you going to end up five or ten years from now? Are you going to be in a good place? 
or are you going to be in a bad place? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8, it says, Paul says, be not deceived. Be not deceived. Don't be tricked about this. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So based on your life and the decisions that you're making, what will you be reaping in the future? Because God's not going to be mocked on it. He's not going to be mocked on that. There was a time in my life before I came to Christ where I was I was walking down the wrong path. I was I was trying to find my identity in everything and everyone but Christ. I tried to find my identity in in winning championships. But what I quickly found out is that once you win one, you enjoy it for a day or two. But then you move on and you start to prepare for the next one. That celebration doesn't last forever and it definitely does not sustain you. I tried to find my identity in money. And what I quickly found out, as quickly as money comes in, it goes out. I tried to find my identity in my status and and how well liked I was. I quickly found out it doesn't matter what you do or how nice you are, some people are just not going to like you. You see, the issue that every the issue is that every single person here was born with the emptiness inside of them. And so what we try to do is fill that emptiness with everything except the only one that can fulfill it. We, we try to fill it with money, with power, with fame, with drugs, with status, with alcohol, with sex, literally anything except the one who is able to fill it. The emptiness inside of us can be filled by one person and one person only, and that person is Jesus Christ. If, if you fill that emptiness with him, that is when you will truly be fulfilled. So the blessed man doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the way of sinners. Do understand this, this dying world has a way to it. It has a way. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19 It says, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. So think about it. Maybe this happened to you this this morning, but when you wake up first thing in the morning and it's pitch black, it's probably super difficult to walk around because you can't see anything. You You can stub your toe on the side of the bed. I've been there. It's actually one of the worst pains of all time. You can, you can step on or trip over something that was left out the previous night. How many, how many here got younger brothers and sisters? So y'all already know what, what, it, what that's about. That they let them mess around and leave a Lego out the previous night. It's a wrap. Those little things have some intense pain. Or maybe you can hit your head on the ceiling. I've been there. Y'all haven't been there, though. Y'all haven't been there. I, I, you can relate. I, I actually have some, some bumps from hitting my head on, on, on doors. But, but it's hard to move. It's hard to move when you can't see anything and people can end up getting seriously hurt because of it. But that is exactly what the way of sinners is like. That's what the way of sinners is like. It is walking in complete darkness and not being able to see your way and ending up seriously hurting yourself. Not only can't you see it, but Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 says... The way of transgressors is hard. It's hard. It's hard to live a life when you don't have 
Jesus. Everything is just harder. In my life before I came to Christ, literally for me, everything was harder. It was hard to wake up because I didn't really have a purpose. It was hard to find motivation to live. It was, it was hard to find fulfillment in life. Everything was hard for me. But Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy. So notice the opposite. The way of sinners is hard, but the way of Jesus is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So why would anyone want to stand in the way or, or live the lifestyle of a sinner? You can't see, you'll end up hurting yourself, and it's hard. You all may be able to, to think of some unbelievers in your life that are always miserable and life just seems so hard for them. Or maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you came to this retreat in a state of misery and you can't seem to find any type of joy or peace. That's not the blessed life, ladies and gentlemen. That's not the blessed life. That's not the life that God intended for you to live on this earth. But the unfortunate reality is that there are more people living this way than less. There are more people living in misery than in joy. There are more people living in anxiety than in peace. There are more people living in low self-esteem than in confidence, especially now with social media. So you guys are growing up in a totally different world than, than, than I and some of the older people have to grow up in. Man, social media is huge for you guys. What you see, although it's all fake, but what you see is messing with your confidence. I remember when I came to Christ in December 2012, I, I thought my life before that was full of joy, but it was all an act. It was all an act. It was all a facade because as I look back over the last 10 years of my life, there is absolutely no way my life before Christ compares to my life after Christ. No way. My life after Christ is way better and it's not even close. I can look back and I can see the manipulative person I was before Christ. I can, I can see this person who was living in misery and putting on this act as if he had everything under control, when in reality, my life was unraveling before my eyes. I can see the insecure boy who was consumed with what other people thought about him to the point that their thoughts paralyzed his performance. That was me. That's who I used to be. I had to overcompensate with pridefulness so people wouldn't figure me out. I could see the old me that was overwhelmed with fear for multiple reasons. Fear that my true self would be discovered. Fear of the unknown. Fear of my eternal destination. You see, don't play that game. Don't play that game. Don't wait to surrender to God. If that's something you need to do, do it now. If that's something you need to do, do it now. You see, what God had to do for me and all my pridefulness was to get me to the point where I hit rock bottom. And what I found out was that he was the rock at the bottom. So, yes, I hit rock bottom, but I fell right onto him, the rock of ages. And my life hasn't been the same ever since. 
So the blessed man doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And lastly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Paul tells us in Romans 12, too, not to be conformed to this world. But when we get to the point where we're sitting, that is the epitome of conformity. When you sit down somewhere, that means you all, you all have become comfortable in that place. You all look very comfortable right now as you're seated in your seats. So when someone has become comfortable sitting in the seat of the scornful, that's not the blessed life. That's not the blessed life. Even when, thing, even when the things of this world have become super enticing to us, and that may happen, that may happen. But we have to say like the psalmist in Psalm 26, verses 4 and 5, I have not sat with vain persons. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. You see, that decision needs to be determined before we're even approached with the things of this world. Okay, so notice the progression of things that a blessed man doesn't do. Blessed, Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The blessed man is mindful of three groups that he should want nothing to do with, the ungodly, the sinners, and the scornful. He knows that they are negatively seeking to influence his or her life, and he also recognizes the downward spiral of that influence. And so what can happen is that we begin to walk according to their counsel, which leads to us standing or, or observing their way of life. And before we know it, we find ourselves comfortably sitting with them, participate, participating in their way of life. So, so the blessed man doesn't do these things, but there is something he does do. And that's shown to us in the next verse of Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. But... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, that's what we talked about last night. The blessed man lives the blessed life because he delights in the word of God. And so your next two blanks are when we delight in his word, we delight to do his will. When we delight in his word, our joy is found in making him smile. That's the blessed life. Every single one of us in here, no matter how old, enjoyed or enjoys making their earthly father smile. Nothing brings me greater joy than making my dad happy. So why not do the same for your heavenly father? Why not make him smile? Why not make him happy? You see, according to the verse, the blessed man delights in God's law, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Think about that. Day and night. Are we doing that? Can we honestly say that we meditate on the word of God day and night? You see, this is the epitome of the blessed life. The blessed man meditates on the word of God day and night. It completely saturates and permeates his thoughts and controls his mind. So last verse, Psalm 1, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So check it out. Men are connected to trees all throughout the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. 
So, so what makes a tree planted by the rivers of water so strong as opposed to other trees that aren't? It's because its roots go down into the water. The source of life is directly connected with this very root system because its roots are in the flow of the water. The, the blessed man lives the blessed life because his roots are planted in the word of God. And if that is the case, then naturally what will happen is, is the next phrase we see, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You see, the goal is always for us to be producing fruit in our lives. That's the goal for us. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, then jumping to verse 5, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. In other words, he's useless. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So notice that progression. You go from bearing fruit to bearing more fruit to bearing much fruit. And it's not rotten fruit. According to John 15, 16, it is fruit that will remain. And so your next blank, the only way we can have fruit that remains is if our roots are healthy. That's the only way. If we are planted by the rivers of water, we will continuously bring forth fruit in our season. Now, I know this is a youth and young adult crowd, but even when we get old, we will still be expected to bear fruit. In Psalm chapter 92, verse 14, it says, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. So this never stops. Bringing forth fruit never stops. And something else happens when we're planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither. What's the cause of a leaf being withered? Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, 16, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So your next blank, if our life is not engulfed with the word of God, we are not going to live. We will only exist while trying to live. And again, just existing in this world is not the blessed life. Try to go through this life without being planted by the rivers of water. You will eventually just wither away. Try to live without delighting in the word of God and bring it forth fruit, bringing forth fruit. Your life is going to be meaningless. So last statement, whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? Who, who doesn't want to prosper in everything they do like Joseph did? Look at Genesis chapter 39, verse 3. It says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. 20 verses later, in Genesis 29, 39, 23, The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. During, during my playing career, I saw a lot of doctors. Man, I had several. I had hand surgery, shoulder surgery, foot reconstructive surgery. And so when someone goes to the doctor, the doctor will write out a prescription for them with specific instructions, specific directions on what to do to get better, right? But even in that, even in that, we still have a choice on whether or not we will follow their instructions. That they can prescribe whatever they want to prescribe to us, but we have to listen. 
we have to follow through on their instructions. You see, we have the prescription from God on how to live a blessed life, and it begins and ends with what we do with his word. He tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So you want to live the blessed life? Pay attention to what the blessed man does in the Bible. We have the prescription. We know what it takes to live the blessed life. We know how to bring forth fruit. We know how our leaf will never wither. We know how whatever we do will prosper, but it's up to us. What are we going to do with the Bible? Or maybe the appropriate question for some of us is, what is the next step you need to take in your life? If you're already a believer, do you need to be more faithful to our Savior? Do you need to step up your commitment to him and his word? Do you need to be a better example amongst family, friends, teammates, classmates? But what if you're here and you're an unbeliever? And maybe you were invited to all church retreat by a friend. Please, please, please understand. You were brought here on a, on a divine appointment. You were brought here on purpose for a purpose. The invitation was by more than your friend. It was by God himself. And you need to hear that he loves you. Maybe you're going through a time in your life where it's difficult to believe anyone loves you, especially, like I said earlier, especially with this being the age of social media and cyberbullying and people being so vicious with their words. But God wants you to know that he loves you. Matter of fact, John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what does this mean? For those who are believers, when we hear that verse, and since we understand the implications of it, we know that this verse is good news. But if you're an unbeliever of Christ, I'm not too sure you can understand how good the good news is until you know how bad the bad news is. So let me start with the bad news. The bad news is that you were born wrong. You were born wrong. That hole and emptiness in your heart that Pastor Sam was talking about a minute ago, that, that is shaped in the figure of one person and one person only, and it's, it's, it's not your wife, it's not your husband. That, that hole is shaped in the figure of Jesus Christ. The problem is you were born into this relationship, I'm sorry, into this world out of relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us was born out of relationship with the God of the universe. We were all born sinners, and Paul tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And this death he's speaking of is more than just physical death. It's more than just going to the grave. Paul is talking about spiritual death in an eternal hell. Someone has to pay for the bad things we do. And Paul says the wages or, or the payment for those sins is eternal death 
in hell. That is the consequence for our sins. It is spending forever in hell. So that is the bad news. If you were to die today, rejecting Christ as your savior, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And that's hard for me to say. That's hard for me to say. But you have to hear that in order to understand and appreciate and hopefully receive the good news. The good news is that verse I just read to you in John 3:16. It tells us God so loved the entire world. That's you. You're included in the world. He loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. He sent his son to this earth on a rescue mission for us. Jesus Christ came to this earth and paid for every single one of our sins, past, present, and future. He died on a cross at Calvary. He was buried for three days and three nights, and he rose again early Sunday morning. That's good news for us. Matter of fact, that's great news for us. He took our penalty. He took our place on the cross. He died the death that we deserve to die. He bridged the gap between us and God. He made it possible for the relationship with our creator to be restored. So what's left for you to do? Simply believe it. Simply believe it. That's all you have to do. Even if you don't fully understand everything I just said, believe in Jesus Christ. Start there. Start there. Faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the staircase. Get plugged into one of these incredible churches represented here. I know we had the shout out. Get plugged in where I know people will be more than happy to explain further. But but if right now, if right now you have made the decision to believe in the fact that Jesus Christ is God, he came to this earth and paid for your sins. He died, was buried and rose again. Guess what? You're saved. Romans 10, 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all you have to do. How, how cool would it be? How cool would it be when we get to heaven for, for you to come up to me and say, hey, or come up to Jeff, come up to Josh, say, hey, I was, I was saved at, at all church retreat. I promise you that will be a time full of rejoicing together. All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus Christ as the one who saved your soul from eternal hell and damnation. So the blessed life is the best life or the best life is the blessed life. You say it however you want to say it, but make sure you understand how it's attained. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful, but delight in the law of the Lord and you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit and everything you do will prosper. The secret about the blessed life is that it has very little to do with physical things. Although some may think it is, being rich is not the blessed life. Millionaires are miserable every day. Being famous is not the blessed life. Famous people are depressed and searching for some peace right now to the point that if they can't find it, They'll just commit suicide. Having things is not the blessed life because the more things you have, the more things you're responsible for. The blessed life consists of everything you cannot see or touch. We have the prescription for the best life, which is the blessed life, from the greatest doctor to ever live. 
whether we follow the instructions or not is on us. From this moment forward, choose to live the blessed life, which is the best life, by staying connected to the word of God for the rest of your life. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instructions that you left for us. Now simply give us the courage to obey you. God, even in this room, if there are people right now that are wrestling with this, 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 this idea of salvation and what it means to have a relationship with you, God, I, I pray that you give them the courage to talk to somebody, to have a conversation with somebody, and, and ultimately to simply say yes to you. To simply say yes. We know that you are, you are, you are pleased by our faith. So even if it's just taking one step, God, whatever one step looks like in each individual's life in this room right now, give us the courage to take that step. God, we love you and we, we are praying for this entire week. God, we are, we are praying that you have your way this entire week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.